Well, hello, this is Mandy Nolan. This is Ellen Briggs. And we are women like us and we are putting on a podcast called Setting the Table. This is the first episode. We're very excited to do it. This is about healthy lifestyle for women. And hey, we are women. We love to speak to women. And we love to eat. (laughs) We certainly do. (laughs) So this podcast is actually informed by the Australasian Society of Lifestyle Medicine and Every week we get to chat with an expert who, who really helps us break down a lot of the information into very simple, dare I say it, digestible bite-sized bits. <laughs> yeah, every week we're going to be calling Dr. Caroline West, who she's a celebrity doctor, Mandy. You would have seen her on The Project, Ask the Doctor, Catalyst. She's often on The Drum. Um, she's She's been on tons of shows, Beyond 2000, 60 Minutes, etc. She also, it's her kind of life's work, isn't it, working with women and you know creating an environment where she can help steer them into a much healthier lifestyle you and I we both you know it's not our thing to bang on about weight or we don't obviously think that women should look a certain size or shape or anything but what we both are really passionate about is our health you know you've just been through all these tests and things and I had parents who died from diseases because of their poor choices in life um, so it, th- this is really important to us and we're pretty sure most of the women who speak to us at some stage have thought about their weight and their lifestyle. Yeah, because we really want to change the narrative around from what you, how you look to how you feel. And I think, you know, you know, a lot of times what's out there is women, we feel marketed to around our physicality and it's around being objectified. And this is really about taking care of yourself, about actually going, hey, it doesn't matter what you say I should look like. It's not about that. It's about getting to the point where I feel where I can really engage in my life a lot better because I've taken on some really great healthy practices. And so we're going to push all that kind of guff away that yeah. you get out there and we're going to try and drill down on what are the choices that are better for you and how could your life look if you took on some expert advice. I have a really weird relationship with weighing myself. Like I will I'll weigh myself like every day, every do you? morning. Do you weigh yourself every day? Well, I do until I think I've put weight on and then, and I, then will, you I will not get exactly. on. Exactly. Do you do the same thing? Absolutely. When you're going well, you're like, hey, hey, look at me. How do you feel when you get on the scales? Oh, not great. And I some sometimes I just go, why am I even bothering? Yeah, isn't you know? it bad when you get on the scales? And because you're so responsive to the numbers, and you know, I have to be nude when I do it too. I always oh, wear yeah, myself nude. Oh yeah, it's got to be. You got to get up. You got to go to the toilet. You got to yeah. make sure you haven't even got glasses or jewelry on. You've Nothing. you've shed everything. You've, you've taken your wig off. <laughs> Pluck your eyebrows, get every everything tiny bit off. Every... You've got to exfoliate. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Take off your nail polish. Get the plaque off your teeth. <laughs> get on those scales. And and then sometimes I don't believe the scales. Like yeah, I'll, girl, I'll they go, must be broken. I'm having another crack. <laughs> and on my scales, there must be something wrong with them. Depending where I place them on the tiles, I can get three or four different readings. <laughs> so I choose to believe the reading. Yeah, the that, best one. The lowest. Yeah, of course. Obviously. Of course. Do you do that? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. And you know, my husband, he weighs himself the last thing before he goes to bed. God, who would do that? Who would do that? Yeah. Unless you're going to weigh yourself again the next morning and go, oh, look, I've lost half a kilo overnight. I really (laughs) hate turning up somewhere in public and being weighed, like not in public, public, but the doctors when they weigh you because you go, oh, no. I've got clothes on. Yeah, is the daytime. It's going to be two or three, and they write it on your file. I know. Well, that because I'm a regular blood donor, 
and you have to be weighed every time there because I give plasma so they have to work out how much they're going to take according to your weight and you're always like oh I've, you know, I've got my coat on oh. <laughs> I don't take that much plasma I don't really weigh that much so I wonder how much you should weigh yourself or whether it's even helpful to do that. Should we should we ask Dr. Caroline about this? Yeah, why Let, don't we ask her, let's and give ask her, a call. her about a whole lot of it? Let's see if we can get her on the phone. This is very high tech with this new podcast of ours, Mandy. I know, we're actually calling up doctors. Hope she's not got anyone with her. <laughs> Hope she's not doing a pap smear or something. <laughs> Hope well, I hope she's there. Hello. Dr. Caroline, it's Ellen and Mandy here. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, we're really well, thanks. We're excited about talking to you. Yes, we are because we were just having a chat about um, we were having a chat about weighing. That was something really interesting because Ellen and I were both laughing how we only weigh ourselves in the morning when we're totally nude after we've been to the toilet. Um. <laughs> Taken our nail polish off, cleaned our teeth, <laughs> plucked our eyebrows. <laughs> got everything off. Is it, like, is it even helpful? When it comes down to it, to weigh yourself, is that even an indicator? Is that a good indicator of how you're going? Because it can make you feel really de- dejected sometimes. Look, I totally get that. And I think some women really are not interested in the scales and that's fair enough. But one of the things that's kind of useful is keeping track of how you're going, especially if you're making some healthy changes. And stepping on the scales once a week in the same sort of conditions gives you a sense of how, you, how you're going with that. Um, I think that you can get too obsessed with scales and I've certainly had people I've worked with who are getting on the scales like every two or three hours and wow. then you can start, yeah, you can get this cycle of kind of um, addiction to the numbers and then if the numbers are going in the wrong direction, getting really defeated and, and you know, people get a sense of guilt and self-loading really rapidly if they're so dependent on the scales. Um yeah, so the, the other thing is people talk about, oh, well, I like to just work out how I'm trending in terms of how my clothes are feeling, um, which is, is not a bad strategy for some, but the trouble is that we've all got just too much elastic and, and stretchy fibres in all of our <laughs> materials now. And then, quite frankly, it's very hard to, to work out um, where, you, where you're going when all of our clothes just feel so comfortable. Yeah, well, I've certainly moved into this year um, wearing very big clothes and there's no – I wouldn't know if I'd put on weight. I, I could take them off one day and get a huge surprise. <laughs> well, exactly. That exercise wear is almost – it's weird, isn't it, because it's supposed to be for exercise, but which is great, but it really doesn't tell you anything because it allows you to get a lot bigger. <laughs> you really can only gauge – it's jeans, isn't it? Doesn't everybody have a pair of jeans, Dr Caroline, that they put on and go, okay, I'm doing okay, I can still get into those jeans? Except the interesting thing I've found is that when you're feeling as though you've gained a few kilos, unconsciously you just avoid that pair of jeans ah, and hook off. That's exactly <laughs> what we were just saying, Mandy. Was We were asking each other how much we weigh ourselves and Mandy said, I weigh myself every day unless I think I've put on weight. <laughs> so that's a, that's a real thing, isn't it? And I'm wearing jeans today, yeah. Dr. Caroline. I put them on. And, like, I went, I have put on a couple of kilos because I've got a roll over the top of them. <laughs> and I realised I had been avoiding these jeans for some time. Oh, so it's good that you've got them on today. So really, Dr Caroline, I mean, we're, we are really hoping with this podcast just to sift through all the rubbish that we're kind of fed by the media and, and really sometimes by ourselves and just society. I mean, 
why should we be why should we really be still worrying about weight it's not really only, it's not about how we look is it no it's not about that at all and and people of all different shapes and sizes can can look fantastic so it's not about shape it's really about health and i think that what we need to do is swap the narrative to really being about um, what you're gaining with making some healthy changes. So a lot of people, when they embark on a program that also leads to a, a bit of um, weight loss, if they're carrying extra weight, often leads to a whole range of wonderful benefits. You know, your energy goes up and your joints feel better, your mood feels more even, you get better sleep, um, have better libido. You know, there are, there are lots of things that we, we know about healthy lifestyles which will improve our concentration and our ability to get stuff done. Um, so it's, it's interesting how I think we need to sort of think about it as you're really going on a healthy healthy program as opposed to it just being about weight. I think we've just focused on weight per se just too intensely over, over the years. It is a bit like that, isn't it? I love how you do that thing because I know if I'm feeling a bit overweight or it just makes you go like sex, like, oh, do I really <laughs> feel like it kind of puts you... You know, not Don't always. put your hand on my stomach. Yeah, you yeah. do. It just gives you that weird self-consciousness where you're going, like, which bit's moving now? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Turn that out is, the that light. Is a, that is a positive. But I, I guess the other thing is, like, you know, it, it's always that for often for women we, we have this thing around events, like go, oh, which I feel like has always defeated me, that thing about I've got a wedding to go to, I've got this to go to. It, School reunion, that's it, a big one. It feels, do we have to get rid of that kind of, that way of actually approaching the way we manage our, our weight? Because I wonder what other strategies might keep us motivated to change our whole life, because it's whole lifestyle. Well, that's right. I mean, they're sort of external motivation factors, aren't they? They're, they're something that's beyond you. You're not just doing it for yourself. You're doing it to rock up to an event, um, <clears throat> dazzle everybody with your new sort of weight loss and in the, in the new outfit. And very often it's a very short-term goal and it usually involves some pretty restrictive eating patterns. Like most people just don't do that through shifting their lifestyle a bit. They go on some radical program of I'm going to drop, you know, 10 kilos in, in two months. And and um, it, it often just not only restricts calories but restricts the diversity of the food they're eating and it also sets up this sense of, oh, once that event happens, I can just go back to what I was doing mm. before. So yeah. it doesn't actually change your long-term relationship with food because no. you've just sort of earmarked that particular occasion. Um, now, if people are training for an event or they've got something special coming up that's more of a group activity, they've joined a, they're going to do a fun run, which is going to lead to something else, and they're really looking at the bigger picture, those things can be wonderful catalysts for change. But when you've got something that's just a one-off event and it's just about your size, rather than your fitness or your, your well-being, um, that can just be a cycle which which starts off this sort of vicious, vicious cycle of emotions that, that come after the event. It's true. I actually, You notice with weddings that people do it, I've done it myself, like when you're going to be the bride, you're going to have photos, <laughs> everyone's looking at you, you've got the dress, you've got the big reveal. Yeah. And I notice a lot of brides heading towards the wedding will go on this massive diet. So I was thinking what we need to do. But you couldn't do it. You could just get married every year. <laughs> <laughs> well, a divorce can affect your weight too, of course. I mean, even just having an affair can affect your weight. So, Oh, can I? You know, In a good people, or bad yeah. way, Dr. Caroline, just asking for a friend. Well, <laughs> well, sometimes people do drop kilos when they're in a, a new relationship. All right, I'm just going to make a know, phone call. <laughs> 
I wouldn't recommend it, but it's often one of the consequences. You can actually lose weight and property. Yeah. And money. And, and money. And, and your kids. And your pride. <laughs> A whole lot. You can dump a whole lot of stuff on an affair, can't you? Um, you were taught. You mentioned there about fad diets. Um, you know, Mandy and I also were saying before we've pretty much done all of them over the time. Mandy and I are both women who have, um, you know, had weight issues a lot of our adult life, and me probably more than you, Mandy. You know, like you were, you were really very thin for a long time. Well, yeah, like you? a lot of women, we were slim women when we were younger, and then. Because of that, we never developed good habits. Yeah, well, <laughs> I wasn't really. I was never really Were a you? slim woman. No, I've always been I've always been a little bit of a chunky monkey because I'm quite short too and I come from two parents who have really good, strong grips on the world with their big, chunky legs. <laughs> so I've always had that, that kind of body shape, but I didn't worry about it until somebody pointed out to me that I was fat. And I went, oh, maybe I am. I never really knew. That I was, or I never thought I was. And that- honestly, back then I wasn't, of course. Um, so, of course, we all have tried stuff. I mean, the, the big one now, and certainly I have had some success with it, is the, you know, the the low-carb, high-fat. I mean, it's, what's fat anyway, Dr. Caroline? And, and is there good fat? Can we, can we eat that way? Because I actually found that quite easy to maintain for a time until I couldn't maintain it anymore. <laughs> Well, well, that's the thing, isn't it? That I think you can go on a diet, almost any diet you go on, regardless of whether it's a fad diet or not, will lead to short-term weight loss. But if if you're looking at longer-term progress, you know, has that weight loss been maintained over 6 to 12 months and 99% of people will be back to square one again. And it often hasn't sort of changed your relationship with food at all. And in terms of the one you're talking about, it's probably like a version of keto where you're Keto diet's really popular at the moment. It's a high-protein, low-carb approach. The thing is that most people are on what I call keto light. They're not on a true keto diet because if if you're on a a medical-grade keto diet, it's really hard to do because you're eating a lot of fat and protein and it leads to a lot of symptoms that people can't tolerate. So you get constipated, bloating, nausea, you get really bad breath. Oh, um, certainly oh, that sounds partners awful. can complain of that on keto. Did you have that mind? So oh well, I have never been that. I've never been that strict on it. I um, think there's even keto think... strips you can get at the chemist to make sure you're in keto and stuff. Because that's how much in people ketosis. are into keto. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's insane. There's... Can you explain yeah, ketosis, it... Carolyn? Yeah, I mean the the issue is that you have this sort of this diet where you you're basically going into um, a state where you're looking at having this sort of change in in the um, composition of your diet, which means that then you're not recruiting um, so much of the, the sugars and you're having to use a different pathway which produces these ketones. Um, and essentially what happens with that is then, you know, the theory is that then you're going to experience great weight loss with this. But you're sort of getting back to your sort of good and bad fat. A lot of the people on the keto diet are on particularly saturated fats from animals, which are not particularly healthy. So they're often increasing meat and they're increasing um, butter and or cream and all of these sort of um, animal fats, which actually then alter the amount of fat in their system. And you've got good and bad fats in your cholesterol and it raises the bad fats and can lead to issues around cholesterol and perhaps influence your heart disease risk. 
Wow. And the other thing about keto that I don't, I'm not so keen on is that the, the keto diets are, are very low fiber usually. So what happens is that it tends to affect your metabolism because sugar and fat um, is then absorbed very early in the, in the small intestine and you're not getting the roughage taking things through to the, to the large bowel. And you may be affecting what we call the, the gut bacteria, which are keeping you healthy. Um, we know now that the gut sort of has its own um, biosystem, if you like, of all these, you know, trillion bacteria, which make up sort of two or three kilos of um, gut microbes. And wow. the balance of those can really influence how we absorb nutrients from food. That's interesting. Mm. We almost need more. I wonder if we had more better gut. If we had better gut sort of microbiome, would we actually be burning food a lot better? Yeah, we, we, there's, there's a lot of interest in this and I think everybody sort of gets the idea now that our guts are like biosystems. Um, it's a bit like a sort of rainforest. You need diversity in there to, to sort of have a healthy system. If you've got too many noxious weeds in there yeah. or, or, or plants that have been introduced that are not natural to that, that system, um, then you're going to have problems. A few feral and, animals and, running around in there. <laughs> but, you know, it, it sort of gets back to this thing of, you know, a lot of diets are around calorie counting and I'm not, you know, the trouble with calorie counting is that we now know that a calorie is not necessarily a, a yeah. calorie, you know, for everyone. There's, how is you know, that? How that's, we, that's interesting. So you're saying that yeah. calories aren't like this kind of universal measure. It's it's It really is varied to every person. That's, I've never heard anyone say that before. I can't calorie well, count either because I can't count. But <laughs> Yeah, look, I think the thing is that what we know is that, you know, let's say 2,000 calories of fast food might be very different um, to the, the effects of 2,000 calories of diverse whole foods, for example. Yeah. So, for example, they put, I mean, I feel sorry for animals with what they've had to endure, but they've done animal experiments where they've put um, monkeys on the same um, calories, for example, one with healthy fats and one with unhealthy trans fats. And the trans fats are those substances they often put in takeaway foods and pies and pastries to stay solid at room temperature. So they're oh. the sort of unhealthy fats. Um, and basically the, the monkeys that had the same number of calories but were on the unhealthy fats gained um, you know, up to three times more fat around their organs. So the same calories, different outcomes. Right. So now what we reckon happening is that when you have um, calories from different food sources, it affects the gut microbiome somehow. It changes the microbes there. And you may um, increase the calories, the energy that you can harvest from those calories in different ways. So if you've got an unhealthy diet, you might be actually taking on more calories than, than um, so a fast food diet, for example, might lead to more calorie absorption than a, a diet that's full of whole food. So we've, we've sort of, the whole thing about food labels and calorie counting diets, we've focused on a calorie as a calorie, but we know that a calorie in different people is going to behave slightly differently. Yeah, true. So, so interesting. It's really kind of interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Same calories, different outcomes, you know? You go to those fast food joints now and they've all got all the calorie well kilojoules now I guess all up there because it makes you feel like I'll make a better choice but it's not really because it's it's interesting not Mm. that even being there so how do we start that's the big thing is that okay we're not going to do diets 
because we've done like we're laughing about things like the Israeli army diet. You know, two days of apple, two days of chickens, mm, soup diet. I just <laughs> well that one. What was that one where you where you for the first day you just had. Yeah, I think it was that one. You had this horrible vegetable soup and then day three all you could have was bananas or something. There was some weird There's diet that something. we're all doing in our 20s. Because you can't do it. So how, how do we start? Like what? how do we start doing a, a program? Because, you know, particularly as women with families, it's kind of like everyone goes on the program. Yeah, look, I think I think the, the thing is there is to start off with a realistic um, expectation that even a small amount of weight loss can be... Um, very beneficial and it often leads to small changes um, that you can start with straight away. So usually what I, I get people to think about is is picking off the low-hanging fruit, so to speak. So one of them is to even look at something that you could adjust straight away. So if you look at healthy eating plans, one of the things that you can look at is what you're drinking in terms of um, are you drinking juices, are you drinking smoothies a lot, are you drinking... Um, big coffees with lots of milk products in them. Can I just, um, sorry, Dr. Caroline, can I just ask, so so juices, you know, we see all those, um, you know, juice places around in shopping centres and, you know, where you can buy fast foods, you know, even at service stations now, you know, where you've got your, your regular, you know, your McDonald's, your Kentucky Fried, then there's those kind of healthier ones that do promote those juices. Are they not a great option either? No, because the thing is that you're often having um, whole fruit is really healthy and it tends to have lots of fibre attached to it. So it's, it's great for your digestion and it's great for weight management, great for sort of sense of fullness. With fruit juices, you're getting a really concentrated blast of um, fruit sugar, which has been extracted from the whole fruit and it's often very um, energy dense. You know, it's got a lot of calories in one drink and it's also supersized. Like if you were going to have a little juice with something, maybe you'd need 150 mils. It's common for those juice bars to serve things that are around 700 mils. Oh, wow. So you're just having a huge volume of calories and there's no fibre with it. Um, And we know that that that's going to really set you backwards in terms of your progress. The same with coffees, you know, going for a small coffee um, with just a minimal amount of, of milk or your milk preferred substitute or having a black coffee, just thinking about the serving size there can make a big difference to your progress. I find a lot of people are, are drinking literally a 1,000 calories a day in just drinks that they perceive as healthy. Um, it's very hard to get any traction with, with weight management if you're doing that. And soft drinks as well is, is the obvious one. I know, and, they're but, so, you know, and but, that always astounds me in supermarkets, just how cheap they are. You know, you can buy boxes of cans of Coke or something for, you know, $4.99. Yeah. It's just horrendous. They're like the aisles that I don't even go into anymore. Yeah. Is it helpful, Caroline, to do it with someone? Because Ellen and I noticed when we when we were touring on the road a lot, we developed some – I noticed how we reinforced our worst behaviours, like because we both had a sweet tooth and we'd go, we're just going to nick in. We should have a little bit of morning tea and we'd, mm. we'd share a cake and that sharing a cake – reached a point where we had to have our own cake because we wouldn't share it. And we reached, we hit our rock bottom when we made ourselves sick at about 11am and just put half the cake in the bin and when it's, and, and actually Ellen and I stopping, if I was still doing that and Ellen wasn't, it might've been harder on Ellen. I've noticed, I've noticed how that has helped because we've both taken on better habits. Is that, is that a good thing to try and find someone who you see, who you're in, who's in your life, like your community or your family to help support you? 
Yeah, I think so because if you think about why we've all gained weight, you know, we've, we've gained weight as a community. We need to almost stop thinking of it that as an individual issue. It's really a collective issue and so there's often a collective solution and that means sort of if you can find somebody who's going to make a change with you, you're far more likely to stick to it. So it's whether you have your exercise buddy or whether you decide at your workplace to get rid of the biscuits and muffins and get a fruit bowl instead um, or if you if you go on, you know, some some healthy change that you can do with a friend and compare notes and, and give each other the confidence to keep going, um, I think that's a great, great strategy. Or the whole family goes on it. Like the thing that's really kind of unusual is that often in weight management programs, you know, the, if, if somebody's a parent, they'll go home and they're going, oh, I'm on this diet, I'm just going to eat this. And the rest of the family's mowing into all the foods and, and soft drinks and everything else that's unhealthy. And that makes it really hard to sustain because you're being cleaved off as being the special person. It's far easier if everyone in the family adopts a healthier pattern of eating and follows the same path. Yeah, rather, rather than sort of sitting there and going, well, I'm, I'm yeah. not allowed to have that stuff. You're almost yeah. flipping, flipping the way of thinking and saying, look at us, we're all allowed to have this really healthy stuff it's, and this is going to make us all better. It feels like a culture change yeah. also. Like, I mean, we were talking about it the other night, but that feels like, it feels like when you do that, you start to change your mindset, which feels like you're changing your food culture from what it's become into something where you have more control around, which hopefully helps. Well, and I, th- I personally know that if I feel like I have my my diet under control and my exercise is all going well, I kind of feel like everything else falls into place as well. You know, you, you get rid of that negative talk in your head mm. and all of that sort of stuff. If you're really looking after yourself, all of that goes and your mind's a lot clearer to do other things. Have you heard anyone say that, Dr Caroline? Oh, yeah, and I think that, you know, success breeds success, that once you start making a little change and you enjoy that change, there's a snowball effect and you often go, oh, I've managed to do this, I'll do the next next step now. So when it comes to healthy lifestyle, you know, usually when people are embarking on a program to address weight and they want to lose some kilos, they've put into place a whole range of things that have allowed them to do that. It's not just cutting out calories. It's like, oh, I'll start moving more. Um, I'll look at my sleep, I'll look at my alcohol. And, you know, all of those things actually lead to great changes in the short term, things like we talked about before with increased energy, your joints feeling better, um, feeling more in charge and feeling more confident about yourself. And then the longer term, the benefits are things like you're going to have far less risk of problems like heart disease, which is still the number one killer for women, Mm. cancers, diabetes type 2, and even dementia. So, it's sort of those changes can really have a profound effect on on your health destiny. We're born with a set of genes, but our genes aren't our entire health destiny. We can influence what happens to us with the choices that we make um, as an individual or as a community. Yeah, that's right. And those genes in the cupboard are important too, aren't they? <laughs> like we spoke about. <laughs> the ones we never put on. That's right. That's right. And look, um, we're going to let you go uh, for this week, Dr. Caroline, and you've actually mentioned some things that I think we should talk about more in depth later on our relationship with alcohol when we're talking about yeah. our lifestyle and also about um, changing our mindset. We haven't got time for that today, but there's some things that we yeah, can talk about if that's okay. Um, another day. Thank you so much for your time. It's really great to talk to you and actually um, 
get someone who knows what they're talking about rather than just Mandy and I. <laughs> well, rather than just kind of Googling stuff where you get stuff in the like a blog, blogs become a lot of information and you yeah. don't know where it's sourced from. So An actually, influencer. Actually getting at someone that actually has – people say the word science, but I actually believe your science, Dr Caroline. Yeah. Because you're an actual doctor. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for your time and um, we'll talk to you next week. Fantastic. See you then. See you later. Bye. Well, that was great talking to Dr Caroline. I feel like I've learnt quite a bit actually. it, It seems so simple when she says it. I know. It takes the pressure off. I think the key is to break it down just into to simple things because I think we become so focused on numbers mm. that we forget that it's a bigger picture than that. Yeah, so calorie numbers and it, the kilo numbers on the scale yeah. and all that stuff. It's a much bigger picture. It's it, it's really more about it's about you know actually changing your, your life so that you do live longer. You know how revolting did all that keto stuff sound? I know it's awful. So it's got to be sustainable for your life. So it's just getting rid of the idea of a diet. This isn't yeah. a diet. This is how I eat. Yeah. These are the choices I make. And I think that's a great takeaway from this. If you're going to have a takeaway, take this oh, away. Oh, yeah, some takeaways. Yeah. <laughs> and and also she mentioned, you know, setting realistic goals, not going, I need to lose 10 kilos in two months, but um, going, you know what, I'm going to – I'm just going to not have two sugars. You know, you could even start with something like I'm not going to have two sugars in my cup of tea. I'm going to cut down to one. And before you know it, you haven't got any and you and you might lose a kilo over a couple of weeks or something. Even you know? that feels good. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. even just like two kilos can feel great. Absolutely. And, and just, it can make a massive difference too. Yeah. Like she said, you know, can, that can really make a massive difference, a small amount of weight. And I think being practical, like don't you don't think about being realistic, start – and, and have a look at what you're drinking. If you're drinking lots of fruit juices, oh, yeah. they're the great things that you can actually cut down straight away. But when she said some people can be having a 1,000 calories well, from what they us. drink. I'm going to go back and have a look at what me, I'm drinking. because I mostly drink water. No, but... Two coffees a day. Yeah, I'll have I'll have two coffees, but then I'll have probably two or three glasses of wine, another cup of tea. I don't have sugar in anything, but I do have full cream milk and everything. Mm. I'm probably having 500 calories in... in, in in um, your drinks. In my drinks, I reckon. I, I don't want to admit that, but I probably am. Well, so you just do. <laughs> <laughs> probably good things to think about. So I hope you've all learned something today from our uh, setting the table, getting yourself ready to actually embark on a, a different way of living. And, look, we're just um, we're just hoping we can sort through some of the crap. Yeah, and actually give with you... this podcast and find out for ourselves too because, you know, we're not um, – We're not Dr. Caroline, that's for sure. No, we're not. (laughs) So thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be back with another episode next week. And in the meantime, what do we want people to say, Mandy, or think about? I think just think about those things. Think about, you know, getting ready to start something and think about how you might like to to live, what changes you can make. Yeah. Get rid of dieting. Forget dieting. Yeah, forget it. It's so good to say no more diets. No more. Never again. No. No diet for you. Exactly. All right. Bye, everyone. Setting the Table is produced by women like us and informed by the Australasian Society of Lifestyle Medicine. As always, our original music is by Gian and Simon, so thank you for that. Don't forget to like us and rate us on places where you listen to your podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, where Spotify, else, Mandy? Spotify, you can listen to Spotify. Spotify, Podcast Republic, Google iTunes. Podcasts, iTunes, or you can just download it straight from Um, our podcast website. So thanks for listening and we will see you next week.